0: Happy Father's Day or just a happy day uh, to be together as the people of God and uh, get stuck into uh, the amazing Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, the privilege it is to have your Word before us, uh, to be wealthy enough to have uh, Bibles we can read every day at home and to be here together uh, to think about what it means to be yours. We pray that you'll bless us and help us. And help us to change as uh, you teach us about life in your world. Amen. Uh, I've got my own question for you. It's not about fathers particularly. Uh, you might, might sound a bit manly, the question though. Uh, is, is becoming a Christian more like having an extension put on your house? Or is it more like a complete knockdown and rebuild? Uh, of your life uh, certainly there's uh, people who view it more like an extension it's just this little addition you you, some people put onto their house an extra thing you tack onto your life or to change the metaphor they think of becoming Christian like joining a gym Uh, when you join a gym you're hoping for some sort of improvement uh, to lose a bit of weight or be able to get into that outfit for that special occasion, for that Father's Day lunch that your family are taking you to or or the wedding day or whatever it is. But the moment you first join the gym and turn up, nothing has yet changed. You are still the flabby old you Uh, the unfit you that you wanted to make changes to. And you're going to be making those changes, hopefully, if you go back again after the first session with lots of effort under the guidance of some instructor in a T-shirt that's three sizes too small. Uh, Some people think of Christianity like that. It's something you add to your life for some self-improvement. But becoming a Christian is not like that at all. Uh, It's more like a complete knockdown and rebuild. When you become a Christian you put a whole you, you become a whole new you jesus talks of it in terms of being born again it's a complete new start you're a totally different individual And as you study the letters of the New Testament, they constantly talk about how we have a new will, a new mind, a new heart, a new desire, a new power, a new wisdom, a new inheritance, a new citizenship, a new family, a new righteousness, a new love. Everything's new. A Christian is not just a remodel job. It's a bit of wallpaper stuck around. We're not the same old house with a room for Jesus tacked on in the backyard. We're knockdown rebuilds. We might not be completely finished yet. uh, There's still work God has to do on us. But in becoming a Christian, the substantial change has already happened. We've got a new foundation, a new structure, a new roof over us. In a sense, that's what the first half of the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians is all about... Uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks either online or in person uh, think of some of the images that we've heard paul use you were adopted into god's family you were forgiven and redeemed that is you're purchased out of slavery you were a slave and now you've been freed paid for by god you've been given the holy spirit within by god who dwells with you now Uh, chapter 2 spoke about how we were dead in our sins and transgressions before we came to christ but now we've been made alive you you can't get a bigger change than that can you dead now alive i mean david used a very mother's day image of cut flowers uh, to describe it here you you buy roses for your wife and there they are they look beautiful they look alive but they're cut off they're dead and they're just going to wilt and decay Uh, But given it's Father's Day, I wondered if a a more Father's Day appropriate illustration is uh, that uh, before coming to Christ, we're like chickens who've had their head cut off, right? Looks alive, it's running around still and stuff, but it's dead, it's got no head, it's gone, right? And it will only take a little bit of time uh, and something that can be half an hour uh, before you see the reality that it is dead. But in coming to Christ, um, when we hear the gospel, God pours his grace into us and gives us a whole new life. And so now in the second half of the letter, Paul starts teasing out what it is that this new life looks like. We started looking at it last week in terms of church and us together. But there's a word he uses over and over again, uh, through the second half of the letter to talk about this new life and how it should play out, and it's the word walk, walk, uh, and basically he says if you have this new life, you've been saved by Jesus, you've been made new, then you have to walk the walk, and not just talk the talk. You know what that means, right? To walk the walk is means you you show something's really true by your actions and not just by your words. Well, chapters four to six are all about Christian walk that's the word he uses in fact you can see it there in chapter five and verse one Uh, you see there therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love Um, the word there the Greek word that Paul uses is peripateo you don't need to remember that Uh, but peripateo literally means to walk forward it's not aimlessly shambling around it's it's walking forward It's making progress peripateo, in love, walk in love. But for some strange reason, the translators of the CSB back in 2012 or whenever it was, felt like walking was too hard to understand, as if we don't all do it. Uh, and so translated the word peripateo everywhere else in Ephesians as the word live, live in our Bibles. And so it keeps talking about how you live, but it's actually walk. Uh, it's a shame because walking is such a powerful image that God gives and that Paul intentionally chose to use to describe what life is like now. A- and the translators actually did an update in 2020 and changed all the leaves back to walk. And so if you've got a CSB from on your phone or from later than that, it, they're all walking changed it back. But uh, I've listed them on the outline there for you so we can all see it. 4 verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. 4 verse 17, which we're looking at today. Today I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. 5 verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love. 5 verse 8, walk as children of light. 5 15, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. You can tell a lot about people by the way that they walk, can't you? Uh, The the Bee Gees certainly thought so. Uh, Staying alive, how does that go? You can tell by the way I walk, I'm a woman's man, no time to talk. (laughs) There's something about the way we strut, you can tell we're after the ladies and the ladies love us. But it's true, isn't it? Whether it's the you know the power walk of the businessman in the city, or the the slow shuffle of the elderly, or the the, the hip walk of the model, you know, down the runway, or you know, Dave talked about the uh, the bodybuilders walk last week, uh, or the uh, the limp of someone with an injury, the the lollipop steps of a bridesmaid, uh, down the yeah, you, you can tell something about them about their their state of life, you know, uh, walking like an Egyptian. You, you, uh, You see the walk and you immediately know something about who this person is. What is the distinctive Christian walk? Well, it's the walk of 4 verse 1. It's a walk that's worthy of God. That's how he starts the second half of the letter. And and the rest of it really is just spelling that out. What a a walk that's worthy of God is like. And and the first part we saw last week about church, about playing your part, about using your gifts for the building of the body, as we all work together for one purpose. You're a new person, so walk worthy. And all these other ways of walking he talks about really just explain that. They fill it out. To walk worthy is to walk in love. It is to walk in the light is to walk wise and not as unwise but in verse 17 which we're focusing on today we're given a contrast here is a way of walking that's the opposite of the christian walk right contrasts are really helpful aren't they because they clarify things for us i mean this and not that right contrast, sharpen the edges they define this is in and this is out this is up this is down Uh, and so what's the contrast to walking worthy 4 verse 17 therefore i say this and testify in the lord you should no longer walk as the gentiles do how do i walk worthy of god well i don't walk as the other gentiles out there do Uh, gentiles uh, as a reminder means non-jewish people in the bible's way of thinking Uh, the whole world's divided into two groups of people. There's the Jews and there's everyone else, right? The, The rest of the world. The everyone else are what he means by Gentiles. But one of the great wonders and miracles of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in fact, the mystery of the gospel, the secret that God was keeping right for thousands of years through the Old Testament, was that the Gentiles in his plans would be included in his kingdom through jesus which is great news for us isn't it because well we're not jews most of us just as it was good news for the church at ephesus which is almost entirely made up of non-jews but through though the gospel is for gentiles like us god calls and saves gentiles we are called to a completely different way of walking from the life of those who do not know christ who are around us completely different to the pagan world, the non-believing world out there. He says that's the way we used to walk before we knew Christ, but we're not to walk that walk anymore. And so what is this Gentile walk? What's it about? Well, he spells it out. We're shown it's got a fundamental characteristic to it, a very distinctive characteristic. It's got a root cause and it's got devastating results so the first thing he wants us to see is that the gentile way of walking has a fundamental characteristic which defines it verse 17 therefore i say this and testify in the lord you should no longer walk as the gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts the fundamental characteristic of the pagan world that we've left behind if we become Christians is that its thoughts are futile Well, what does that mean well it means that the, the entire way of thinking of this world is is pointless it's empty it's hollow it's hopeless uh, the word Paul uses for futile is the same word that Solomon uses in the book of for for vanity it's all vanity of vanities it's it's futile it's everything's it's just an empty display it's got no substance to it it's like your breath on a cold morning you breathe out, you can see it then it's gone it's nothing and that's the fundamental characteristic of the world the way the world walks its thoughts are futile now that's not to say that the pagan world is stupid that there's no one of any intelligence in the world other than Christians it's not saying that That's not what he's getting at. The world is full of very clever people, smarter people than us even. But he's saying it's the way of thinking is all for nothing. It's all coming to nothing. And you can see that futility in, in, in the world around us, all around us. You think about the incredible strides forward that we have made in technology. The cleverest minds have worked out how to instantly communicate across the world we've got the world wide web I mean how do we get I mean the brain power over 150 years of communications understanding and de- like that's marvelous and what do we use it for what's the single biggest use of this majestic creation that we've paid squillions of dollars to roll out of the country for porn it hopeless isn't it? it's pathetic but that's the nature of the human soul. What's the number two use of the web? Cat videos. <laughs> cat videos. <laughs> we, uh, you know, we spent billions of dollars on the, So people in the country can watch cat videos along with their porn. So they're doing self-gratification in porn that destroys relationships, dehumanizes people, and then we just vacate our minds with cute cats. They are cute. I get that. But... <laughs> Think about the two movies that are out right now vying for the highest grossing films, uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie. And you might think, well, that proves everything. No, no but, but they're very different to each other, uh, but they're all both about the futility of human thinking. Uh, Oppenheimer is about the creation of the nuclear bomb. Uh, the smartest people in the world get together to invent something with the power to vaporize thousands of lives in an instant. At one point, they weren't even sure when they pressed the button on the first one if the whole world would evaporate. And they pressed it and in. how insane is that? We're not sure, we're pretty confident it won't, but let's give it a go. <laughs> That's anti-futile thinking, isn't it? And Barbie, <laughs> it might seem like it's a kid's movie. It's not. It's not. Don't take your kids to see it. It's, it's really about the existential crisis that we all face. It's very funny, but it's very philosophical. At, at what is life about? And the answer the movie comes to is, I don't know. It's funny, but it's tragic. And it ends with the conclusion that just do whatever you want because even if there is a creator, they're not interested in defining you or shaping you, so just do what you want. There's no purpose or meaning, it's just futile. And in the end, what does it matter if you go on or not? So in our superior Western wisdom, we legislate to allow voluntary assisted dying, where you can now have the cleverest people in the country who got the highest marks in their HSC, come to your house to do away with you. Come and kill you if you want them to. Because in the futile think of our nation, your life only has value if you want it to have value. And because we've got no idea of what's real anymore and what matters, the best thing we can say in speeches, at birthdays and weddings is, well, we wish for them whatever they wish for themselves. That's just hopeless, isn't it? What does it even mean? But it's the best that we've got because we actually don't believe there's a good path, a right path, a useful path, a healthy path. And so we wish whatever, whatever you want and we're not even sure what that is. Futility of thoughts. But notice this fundamental characteristic of the Gentile walk has a basis to it. It's got a root cause. It's a hard issue. It's in verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. Why is it we can't think straight about anything as a society? Because we've got hard hearts towards God. That's what produces the Gentile walk, hard hearts towards God. That the, igno- the ignorance and futility of our thoughts isn't because we can't know God, it's because we don't want to know God. We're guilty of ignoring God, it's a culpable ignorance. We've determined that we don't want Him telling us what to do and so we're happy to entertain any lie that might come our way and be deceived like Adam and Eve. Whether it's the lie that God's not there at all or the lie that God doesn't care, or the lie that he's too weak, or far away, or disinterested to do anything, even if he does care and would like to do something about it, he can't. But when you harden your heart to God, when you close yourself off to God, when you deny God, then you have to make up alternative realities, alternative explanations, a different way of thinking and understanding the world, but they're all lies. Uh, but the basic and the upon point which in our building life is now untrue and because we want to believe the lies that we've told ourselves we have to invent a new lie next week and a new one the year after to so we'll be able to cope with it and we spiral into a greater and greater stupidity oh what a tangled web we weave when we practice to deceive and so what's the result of the gentile walk where does it all lead to There's three outcomes we're told about in verse 19. This is what life is like without Jesus. This is what our lives were like. And doesn't it just describe society right now? First result, they became callous. If you're a keen gardener, you build up calluses on your knees. Unless you wear those fancy knee pads. All right. If you're a guitarist, you build up calluses on your fingertips where you're fingering the strings, hard spots which, which numb the pain, right? It's got a self-protection. Uh, but the callousness that he's talking about is a callousness of heart. And doesn't that just describe the way things are? <laughs> you see that in all sorts of ways, the callousness. Every, every company in this nation used to have a personnel department. What do they have now instead? Department of Human Resources. That's callousness at work. Uh, Why is it called human resources? Well, because you're just a thing and you're only useful to the company as long as you're contributing significantly to the bottom line. You're you're not a person anymore. We don't have personnel, we've got human resources. You see it in the way that neighbours completely disregard everyone else's sleep and party till 3 or 4 or 5 in the morning, as our neighbours were doing last night. I wrote this before that happened. but You you see it in the increase of family violence and family breakdown. That's the callousness that flows right out from this hardness of heart towards God. It's what you get when you believe lies and slogans like, you just do you. What's that saying about everyone else? Stuff them. You do you callousness the second result they gave themselves over to every kind of promiscuity for the practice of every kind of evil if there's just a bunch of callous people with no sense of how they affect others with no external studies because they're hardened to them just being themselves what do they do they use and abuse each other particularly sexually and And then whether they are the users or the used, they try and escape the reality by dulling the heartache and pain at all causes with drugs and alcohol. It's how you end up singing happily along with Only the Good Die Young with Billy Joel. What a great song, hey? About seducing the Christian girl into having sex with you. Don't believe in God anymore, just jump into bed with me. It's how you end up with shows that fill the prime time like Love Island and Meet the Kardashians and The real housewives of Jersey and uh, what is it naked dating and like just you know as close to nude as we can get without it being called pornography on our screens because that's all anyone knows and if that's what the adults are watching it's no wonder that the schools are now having problems with seven-year-olds watching porn on their smartphones in the playground and 11 year olds getting blind drunk on weekends callousness promiscuity at least evil and the third result of this futile thinking driven by hard hearts a desire for more and more and more stuff greed we complain that our homes are so cluttered and full of stuff and then bring in more next week our society is in the full blown grip of materialism you can tell that because you put a tiny bit of economic pressure on us with say a pandemic and high inflation afterwards and you watch the mental health of our community deteriorate when we have more food, more stuff, more cars, more entertainment, more options, more clothes, more everything than any human beings in history and we're desperately unhappy and we blame the high cost of living here is the gentile walk but even more insulting in this passage is that's not just identifying a cultural problem out there he says that's all of us by nature that's what we once were you notice that in verse 17 no longer walk as the gentiles did it's because you used to walk that way before you knew christ that's why christianity is a knockdown, rebuild job and not just adding a little room out back for jesus because that's how we were by nature futile in our thoughts driven by hard hearts towards god living in callousness promiscuity and greed but that's all changed now he says that that was the old us that was the old me that was the old you there's now a new me and a new you not a slightly improved model like you might get by going to the gym joe but with rock hard abs you know. <laughs> Um, but an entirely new self, which is what verses 20 to 24 are all about. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him or taught by him as the truth in Jesus, to take off your formal way of life, the old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness, in righteousness and purity of the truth if you trust jesus the old's gone jesus washed us clean inside and he's built a new you one that's entirely different one that's not living in futility of thoughts but with purpose god's purpose knowing it's not futile it's not pointless one that's not hardened in hearts towards god but loves god because he's first loved us and it's able to love other people because of that. One that's not given to callousness and promiscuity and grasping for more and more, but one recreated in the likeness of God that loves his ways because they're good and he is good and, and we are his and we're, we're becoming more and more like him. When did that happen? When did this knockdown rebuild take place? It happened when we came to know Jesus, when we learned about him and were taught by him he says maybe that's obvious to you and I'm teaching you to suck eggs but uh, maybe it's completely new information to you but you don't become a Christian by meditation or by religious rituals or by joining a religious organization or by being born into the right family You may enter into other religions in those ways, but you don't become a Christian like that. But the way into Christianity is to hear about Jesus through him being preached, learning about Christ and accepting him. His death for us, his resurrection as our king. You come in by hearing the word of God. That's how the kingdom of God is spread in this world. That's how people come to know Christ. That's how this area... If it's going to be one for Christ, it's going to be one for Christ. Through people speaking about Jesus, through Christians talking. That's how the Ephesians came to Christ. Paul turned up and he just started talking about this man who is God, who in his love gave himself uh, to death for us, paying for our sins and then conquered death and is seated in majesty as the king. And God, working through this message by a weak human being, completely change the people there just as he's completely changing people today by that same message well let me wrap up with a couple of implications the first thing is that the key to it all is the mind that, that, that if it's futility of thoughts and the way into the kingdom of god is by the preaching of the gospel and the renewal of your spirit of your mind the mind is so key to everything and so if you're going to walk this Christian walk, you've got to keep having your mind renewed day by day. And that happens as you, you get stuck in God's Word, whether it's because you're, you're listening to it on audio cassette or you're just reflecting on Sunday Sermon by yourself with other people in Bible study groups or, or you're reading the actual physical one here. Uh, get the 2020 update, the one that's got walk in it. But anyway... <laughs> um, Second implication, maybe you're here for Father's Day as a guest or watching online uh, because you promised someone that you would, but you're still stuck with the world in its futile thinking, and you know it. It's going nowhere. It's a hopeless way to be. And you know it. Here is an invitation to come and receive a whole new life in Jesus. One where the old way you're stuck... It won't be held against you a new life that you don't have to earn one that's a gift that you can have today jesus died for you to pay for all the garbage he's alive again and he can give you this new life so don't harden your heart to him listen to his invitation i mean he said it himself in that other reading didn't he ask and you shall receive and god being the good father he is He won't give us a rock instead of bread or a snake instead of fish. He'll give you the new life that he's promised if you want it. But here's also a word for those of us who have been remade by Jesus, who have this new life. Once you become a Christian, you go on walking in the new way in Christ Jesus. Why would you ever want to go back to walking like the Gentile world? such a dark and hopeless way to walk and yet it still calls us back it's futile, it's hard-hearted stupidity that's completely self-destructive and empty and, and it's coming to judgment be renewed in the spirit of your mind walk worthy of God don't walk as this pagan world walks around us in its godless stupidity Father these are heavy words for us The remind us of of the hopelessness of the world and what life for us was like Um, but father thank you for your mercy thank you that you made us alive in christ and we pray please that you will complete the knockdown rebuild in us one day we know we're coming to you perfected but in this life it's it's slow progress sometimes and there's still some of that darkness in us we pray please that you'd from us and help us to be conscious of it to be ruthlessly self-examining ourselves with sober judgment and to live this new life putting off the old and putting on the new and as we hear more about that in the coming weeks about the, the specific details we pray that we all cherish your ways and love them and see the wisdom and the, the genius behind them that we might love to live for you in jesus name we pray amen